Oh, that's right. You've been listening to Michael Jackson and Paul McCartney with Say, Say, Say. Nigel, Michael Jackson had uh, some hits, but nothing quite as Ringo and the boys. And in this case, uh, Paul McCartney, uh, what a great duo. Too bad they got into fights all the time. Hey, well, you know what? I have to tell you this. <laughs> I have to tell you, going back a bit back in the radio, I remember interviewing a, a couple of the Beatles, and it was on the BBC, and it was a really quick interview. I directed a question to both Paul McCartney and John Lennon, but it was, I got two different responses. It was almost like a bitter divorce before it even approached, if you know what I'm talking about. Anyway, the question I uh, perceived to ask both, I said, what is the difference between your writing and his writing as you cover the type of love and peace songs? And the answer was just different. Now, Paul McCartney... Uh, sir, don't forget, uh, you've got to call him Sir. Sir Paul McCartney. Oh, that's right. I forgot. It, oh, my apologies to you, uh, Sir Paul McCartney. He seemed to be so much in love, uh, even more with his hair styles, than he was with creating music with John Lennon. And, and, and John Lennon, who was blindsided by the beautiful Yoko Ono at that time, she was just devastatingly gorgeous and very ethnic-looking. I could see how he was captivated and the love of his uh, woman that uh, would keep him astray. But it also didn't help when Paul McCartney wrote a song called Hey Jude. And I'm sure you're familiar with that, just like our lovely listeners. Hey Jude was about his son. That's Julian. what I heard. Uh, Nigel, yes. I've got a little story to tell you about. You know, back when I was a little bloke, I decided to go into uh, to work for Queen Mother. And it wasn't too exciting, though. I only saw her one time. Well, actually, I, I only saw the back of her heels. I thought it looked lovely. Lovely shoes. Now, what were you doing with the viewpoint of the back of her heels? Was she tending the garden? Uh, was she... No, I was I was uh, fixing the bathroom. I was fixing the bathroom because I work for the janitorial oh, engineering department. Uh, hey, Nigel, I was just thinking over there in, in America with the election process and everything that they're going through, you know, and the pandemic, etc. You know what, what bums me out the most? Disneyland is not open yet. Where else am I going to f- be able to go and find JC? You know, he goes to Disneyland 500 times a year. Well, you, you have to understand JC's mentality. He, he moved to Las Vegas, the city of sin, where that football team has now taken residence. The Raiders. Oh, they just, uh, they elude corruption. Uh, speaking of corruption, the corruption back in the States is horrendous. Uh, I agree with the devastating virus going on, uh, with the civil lockdowns, uh, this ridiculous election, when they should surely have a royal family in charge. I couldn't have said it better myself. This makes me so nostalgic that I wish I could go back to a better time. I was thinking of going back to the 80s and getting that. Remember that model that came out in the movie The Blue Lagoon? What was her name? Brooke. Oh, I believe her name was Brooke Shields. Oh, yes. Wasn't it? Brooke Shields, you know. There's nothing better than having Brooke Shields cook you some good old English breakfast. Well, if you're going back to the 80s, so am I. And we're going to have to flip a coin to see who's going to be 17 with Brooke Shields, you dirty wanker.
To the 80s, the radio show that brings back the nostalgic moments of the decade of excess and brings them to a whole new generation. It's Friday. That's right. Friday, December 11th. And here in the U.S., we're still not over all the election madness. And it doesn't matter who you voted for. I just can't wait at least to get all of this behind us. The pandemic seems not to be letting up. And the worst part is that there are too many tragedies hitting home for Christmas and the new year. And all we can do is do our best to be a part of the solution and not the problem. So thanks for listening today and every Friday. We've got a great, great show. We're going to be talking about some of the most memorable moments of 1983. With me today, ladies and gentlemen, and every single Friday, is a man that has fought more hairband frontmen than anyone else. The one, the only, the Chang. Good to see you, brother. Hear ye, hear ye. It is I, the one and only, the Chang on the hang. It's time to bang with Back to the 80s. I am doing Changtastic. I hope all of our beautiful listeners all across the globe in the UK, Australia, uh, Germany, uh, Mexico, California, Washington, Utah, Montana... New Jersey, New York, everywhere, and man. New Jersey, I hope you all are changerific. And on the lighter side, this is Back to the 80s, a show that we are going to give you nonstop smiles. And remember to hit us on our Patreon page. Every little bit helps. That's right. The other thing, uh, before we get started in the, to a, a very nostalgic show, it was 40 years ago, December 8th, that the great John Lennon was taken from our lives. Uh, most of us of that generation can remember. Uh, most of us have grown up with Beatles music. Um, some of us uh, feel the exact same way as John Lennon did as a humanitarian, uh, as uh, somewhat of a peace-loving individual. Uh, Forty years ago, uh, on December 8th, he was taken, uh, murdered and assassinated right out of his own apartment. The news came out here in the States on Monday Night Football by Howard Cosell, who was a good friend of John Lennon's, and actually interviewed John Lennon several weeks before his murder. And that was a game on Monday night where the New England Patriots were taking on the Miami Dolphins. We want to go and uh, put our hearts and and, uh, souls out to remember that uh, we all need to do what John Lennon tried to make us do, and that is to... Love everyone with compassion, care, and understanding. Those are the three components that we all need to have to make this place a better place. Well, like I said, we've got a great show coming up, so stick around because 1983 is coming up next. A great year. You're listening to Back to the 80s. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
Welcome back to the 80s. This is Toscano from Toscano and Chang. If you want to drop us a note, I do want to remind you that you can do so by going to our Facebook page and DMing us. Maybe you want to share an 80s experience or maybe you even want to share an idea for a show or something like that. Go ahead and send us a message at Facebook or Twitter at Back to the 80s Radio. Our website, if you want to listen in as well, is backtothe80sradio.com. And you can take us wherever you go via Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and everywhere else. Hey, remember that song, I Love L.A.? Oh, Randy Newman, of course. How could I? So you probably missed that song a lot then. Well, actually, I have that downloaded on my phone, and I weep to it daily. I will not lie. I <laughs> weep to it daily. All I have to hear, all I have to hear is da 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 and then I like <laughs> roll it down Imperial Highway, <laughs> big nasty red at my side, Santa wind hey, so for, <laughs> for those of you who are not familiar with the LA area, maybe you're out of the country or out of state. You just never have been to California, and you know, especially Los Angeles. Listen to the song because those are all real areas in Los Angeles. That's right. And uh, maybe you've moved out of LA and you remember that song. Remember traveling those streets and those areas and those sites. Yes. Yeah, I can get somebody pretty nostalgic. I would definitely say so. There's another song back in the 80s that Billy Joel came out with, and that is Say Goodbye to Hollywood. So maybe you might want to get familiar with that. They're, they're very good songs. They, you know, if you're an Angelino like me or, or many others that have left. Uh, Los Angeles people get homesick when they you know when they leave home and you hear maybe a certain song or you see something to remind you of home you'll get a little teary-eyed and those are two songs that will make the Chang weep like I was at a wedding. Well anyway today we're going to do something very special because we're going to hone in on a year in the 80s. The year is 1983. Now, lots of stuff happened in 1983 that we're going to be talking about but I want to talk about the first memorable moment and we need to hear it firsthand from the chang because it was the year that he graduated high school so from that year 1983 chang what is the most memorable moment in that year for you for the chang what happened in 1983 for you that you will forever have in your heart that would be attending the us festival for three days that musical event symbolizes my youth and symbolizes my love of rock and roll. I saw great bands on Heavy Metal Day, uh, on Alternative Music Day. I saw The Clash. I saw The Pretenders. I saw Tom Petty. Uh, I also witnessed Judas Priest, Motley Crue, Triumph, Ozzy Osbourne, shortly after the death of Randy Rhodes. Uh, Van Halen uh, was the headliner that night, which is very special to me, especially with recently losing Eddie Van Halen. To cancer. Now, the US Festival, was this just one stadium, one stage, or was it various stages? Because it, it wasn't like Coachella, right? This was uh, not like Coachella. Similar to Coachella, it's a, it's a big event, a lot of people. But Coachella has several stages. Correct. Just like uh, sometimes at OzFest, they'll open up uh, uh, you know, smaller stages for smaller yeah. bands that yeah. are up and coming. But the US Festival was one stage, one time, one and all, uh, big-name bands, Big name groups, 
uh, and they were on the same stage, almost like Woodstock. I, I, I refer to the US Festival as my generation's Woodstock. Right. You know, Do you think it, that gave birth to Live Aid in 85? Uh, it kind of gave way because what gave way to Live Aid was the concept that they got from the US Festival and also right. the Cal Jam, which I believe was in 80 and then one uh, Cal Jam one was in 78, maybe 79, somewhere along that. And I, they, they took the format of those uh, shows and created the US Festival. Now, the US Festival was... Uh, a conglomeration of musical acts, not only from Los Angeles or the States, but of the globe. So we had uh, a band like Triumph from Canada. Uh, you know, we had uh, a lot of great UK bands, Judas Priest, as I mentioned, Ozzy Osbourne. Uh, you had uh, great California bands, as in Motley Crue. Uh, you had uh, uh, the other great band that performed, uh, Van Halen. So it was kind of a collaboration of many different styles of music, uh, many different locations where the bands transpired from, and uh, it was all for one unknowingly reason to to unify people through music. Uh, I, I have to tell you, a lot of people got along. There was not a lot of violence at the concert. Everybody got along, which we could sure use that now in today's world, especially here in the States, but uh, I remember it being catastrophic for this 18-year-old uh, to be my mind. I was at 17 and a half. It was very eye-opening. Uh, you know, the sexual craze was out there. Uh, the lifestyle of the sex, drugs, rock and roll was right in your face. Yeah, kind of the yeah. rebellion. But the unity that it brought, uh, the great memories, meeting people uh, from different parts of the country, different states that, that all assembled there. It was incredible. Uh, I am very fortunate and blessed to have attended and very fortunate and blessed to have come out of it with all my faculties, if you know what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. It was it, it was so hot they were shooting water cannons. Uh, they were selling bottled water by the record. Uh, squirt guns were a big deal. It was insane. You had to have been there to see the magnitude and the power of what music does in such a great mass of an audience. Now, where was this exact, as far as location, so people can get an idea? This was in Glen Helen Regional Park, which is located in San Bernardino. It's, uh, it's got a different name now. It was over there by the old Lion Country Safari for some of my fellow Angelinos. Is this where the Morongo Amphitheater is at now, by any chance? Yes, exactly, yes. So it's right by the 210 Freeway. By, by the 210 Freeway, once you pass yeah. Rancho Cucamonga you know, leading up to, you know, the road to Vegas. Yeah, yeah. It, like uh, like I just said, it, it was by the old Lion Country Safari. Maybe some of my fellow Angelinos can recall Lion Country Safari. That was out back in the uh, 60s, 70s, and in the 80s. So uh, it, was a, it was a great time in music history, my friend. I'll tell you that much. Well, that's too bad I missed it, man. But that was 1983. I was only 11 years old, my friend. So wow, my I was friend. watching the Smurfs or something. Anyway. <laughs> you, yeah, you were playing with toys, and I was playing with girls. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> yeah, I, you'd be surprised, though. Anyway, um, I do, now you're dirty I do want to remind you guys that the last Friday of this month of December, the last Friday of this month of December, we're going to be doing something different for everybody. So we are going to be having the, the regular radio show, but in addition, if you go over to Spotify 
and you search us up, we're going to be playing music from the 80s. That's right. If you go to Spotify the last Friday of this month, Toscano and Chang on Back to the 80s are going to present to you guys the music of the 80s. Our love of music is very key to both of us. I mean, I believe that's exactly why we're going to attempt this, to bring out some of the great music that both you and I grew up listening to, some of the music that has inspired us, some of the music that has healed some of the not-so-pleasant times in our life because everyone knows when you have certain uh, things go wrong in life and you become a little sad or a little dejected, music is always the number one thing that takes your mind to feeling a lot better. I'm looking forward to this, and, and, and the thing I'm giddy about is both of us, uh, our musical prowess is similar but different. And I think by uh, embarking on this type of uh, terrestrial rock and roll classic 80s music show is going to give people a big smile on their face because we're going to hit everything from Madonna to Metallica. Am I, am I lying to you? Everything from, from metal to rock to soft pop to soft rock, everything across the board, and especially taking uh, a lot of the requests from you. So don't forget to drop us in a note at our Facebook page. Drop us a note. Let us know what you want to hear for the last Friday of this month, a special program of Back to the 80s. So we learned a little bit about you, Chang. By the way, 1983 was a great year. If you're a wine drinker, it was a great year for Bordeaux, by the way. So pick yourself one up today and send one over to Toscano and Chang. We'll be more than happy to uh, drink it here on the show. And, you know, if you if you send us a bottle, we'll have you on the air with us to enjoy together. So uh, let's kick it all off with baseball here in the United States. Baltimore Orioles had won the World Series back then. Do you remember that World Series? Yes, I do. And I hated it because my Dodgers were not in it. That's right. They were not in it. And you know what else? In 1983, the NBA Finals, Philadelphia 76ers versus the Lakers. Philadelphia 76ers beat the Lakers. Four games to zero. Yes. Four games to zero. Moses Malone was the MVP, and they beat the Lakers on that final game, 115-108. Patrick Johnson misses a three-pointer, and the Philadelphia 76ers, Maurice Cheeks, quiet, knows they're going to be the world yeah. champions, folks. And Billy's done it, finally. At one second left on the clock. I don't think they're going to play that one second. The champions of the NBA 1982-83. I remember that series. That series was very, very tough. You had Magic Johnson going against the legend, uh, Moses Malone, and the legend himself is in Julius Irving. And the ironic thing about that, it was kind of uh, the ABA's greatest talents against the NBA's greatest talent. And I don't know if you recall this or some of our listeners may or they may not remember that the ABA and the NBA were two different professional basketball entities that did come together. And uh, the Philadelphia 76ers was a different name for the ABT, ABA team that was the New Jersey Nets, which fashioned similar uh, uniforms as the 76ers did, and they had, uh, I'd say, maybe three or four of the Philadelphia 76ers that were New Jersey Nets, including Malone 
and Dr. J. That's an interesting fact because I remember, at least on the American football side, the NFL it was the NFL and the yes, AFL. Do you remember that? They had them separate. That's right. Yes, yes. When the NFL and the AFL did merge, the owner of the the Oakland Raiders was the commissioner of the AFL, L. Davis. Which, when they uh, came together and they joined as one league into the NFL, L. Davis had so many problems and gave so many problems to the commissioner, Pete Rozelle, because he was uh, L. Davis was a very shrewd businessman. He was totally against free agency. He was against other players just playing for the dollar. But that's another story we can go into later. But uh, two leagues that were very similar. They came together to make this entity that they are now. Something else that happened in 1983, and this is more for children in Japan, believe it or not. So Nintendo came up with a computer system called the Famicom. That, so it's the family computer. But in reality, it was the first Nintendo NES to play video games. That same console was later released a few years later here in the United States. Yeah, so Japan got to enjoy the NES way, way before anybody here. Now, were you the kind of person that had uh, video games at your house? Or did you belong to a homestead like I did, where my mom said, oh, you want a Pac-Man? And she uh, she cut up a tortilla and, and did the Pac-Man sign. And she goes, here, here's your Pac-Man. <laughs> Look at me, frijoles, mijo. Look at here. Let me tell you the quick story, and I think I've, I've reminded everybody before about that. So I'll never forget. This is about nineteen eighty, yeah, about nineteen eighty two, eighty three. I come from I come from school. By the way, at ten or eleven years old, yes, I walked home a mile and a half from school all by myself in the snow, and uh, which is well, <laughs> no, there was no snow here in Southern California. It was in Downey. Come on. There's no snow there. And uh, my buddy and myself, we used to walk from school every single day, uh, unlike today, right? Yeah. But anyway, so I get home, and my mom is waiting with uh, you know something to eat, and uh, she goes, hey, uh, I got you a surprise. And during that time, I was bugging my mom to death. I kept on saying, you know, I really didn't want a Pac-Man, but I wanted that little mini arcade games. You remember those? I wanted a, a Donkey Kong. It's my favorite game of all time back then. I see where they got your name from. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Mario. Yes, exactly. And uh, so she goes, I got your surprise. And I said, really? And so I'm, I'm eating, right? So my back is towards her. She's in the kitchen. And she says, yeah, you're going to love it. She goes, close your eyes. And so I said, okay. And I was used to it because my mom and my dad, well, usually my dad would get me a surprise every Friday. He'd get me either a Star Wars figure or a Hot Wheels car. Every single Friday, he had a surprise for me. So in this case, it was different because it was my mom. And I said, oh, okay, well, she she uh, got me a surprise. Okay, great. And so I have my eyes shut, my back towards her. And she says, I know you've been wanting the Pac-Man so much. Yeah. And I thought to myself, well, it's not the Pac-Man, but I'll take it. So guess what? I got you a Pac-Man. And I'm still with my eyes closed. And she goes, are you ready? Turn around. And so when I turned around, she held in front of me a corn tortilla split down the middle in the shape of Pac-Man and she opened and closed that tortilla and she goes, here you go. Here's your Pac-Man. Now finish your lunch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. 
That is brutal. That's that's uh, that's Mexican love right there, bro. That's scarring. That's scar. That'll scar any child. That'll scar any that child. Would, I would be like, I would never eat another corn tortilla again. I would be like, how dare my mom, mi madre? I boycotted tortillas for a long time. Yeah, and, and the, I guess that's why I stuck to Italian food for the rest of uh, my days after that. Yeah, I would be very upset. Now, uh, we paid our own homage uh, to Pac-Man back in the 80s. I w- of course, I was a bit older than you and uh, a bit more devious than you. We used to set up shots on the coffee table, kind of in the same formation as Pac-Man, and we cut a lemon to look like the Pac-Man, and we would roll dice. So whatever number you got, that means the lemon Pac-Man gobbles up so many shots. So you have to hit those shots of Cuervo. And until you find yourself physically going. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Well, listen up. Stay tuned. Don't go away, because when we come back, we've got more Toscano and Chang Madness here on Back to the 80s and 1983. Hey, if you listen to rock and roll radio in the 80s, then listen to this. Toscano and Chang, they will transport you back in time, back to the 80s. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. We never stop. Never stop. Not even when it hurts. Didn't hurt. Didn't hurt. Didn't hurt. Non-stop. Non-stop. Unforgettable memories from the 80s. Back, back to the 80s. Welcome back to the 80s. We are your hosts, Toscano and Chang. I hope that you are all hanging and banging on this fine Friday. Today, we are talking about the great 1983. Yes, myself was a graduate of Montebello High School. Toscano was playing with Star Wars figures and wearing <laughs> That's right. and wearing one-piece jammies, if you want to visualize I was wearing I was wearing my <laughs> Superman underoos. <laughs> <laughs> now, did you wear Garanimals back in the 80s? <laughs> no, no. I, I wore, believe it or not, I wore underoos ah. in the very early 80s. I loved my underoos. I was Superman and uh, had a Spider-Man as well. You know, I, I would have probably got myself some Captain America underwear, but that would have looked freaky on a on a 15-year-old guy. With uh, yeah, I don't know about Captain uh, America on a 15-year-old. Uh, that looked no. a little insane. Yeah. Now, what's up with this guy? I- <laughs> All right, so we're talking about 1983. If you just joined us here on the mm-hmm. Back to the 80s Toscano and Chang Madness train, we're talking about that great year, 1983. And we started talking about a little bit about baseball, uh, basketball. Let's move on over to 1983's top rock pop song. 1983 top rock pop song. Let me give you a little taste of what made 1983 all that much better in music. Ah, the police. That's right. So 1983 brought us staying in the police. And topping the charts was Every Breath You Take. Man, 
What a great song. Such a great song that even in 2020, my friend, it's been used in movies, in commercials. They yes. used it as spoofs. Uh, you know, even even uh, Sean Combs, P. Diddy, has used it, uh, the instrumentals, to rap over it. Yeah, and, uh, he sucks. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know what? I want to throw out a fun fact right now. Yeah, go the ahead. The average cost of a brand new house in 1983. You're going to 1983 average cost for a home. Can I take a guess? Take a uh, guess. 1983, I'm going to say... 60, 70,000? You're close, but you miss it by, by a good margin. It was $82,000 that you could buy a brand new home in 1983. Oh. Now, now, trip out on this. Now, in California, of course, we're seeing high rents at no end, right? Correct. Rents keep going up, right? The average monthly rent back then was $335. Yeah, and you know the funny thing is I remember that. I remember, see, my mom bought our first home. Uh, she had uh, divorced my dad, and that's when she was able to buy a home because my dad never wanted to buy anything. Um, yeah. But she bought a house for 89, no, it was 92000 in 1984. Mm. Wow. And, yeah, in Santa Fe Springs. And uh, I'll never nice. forget because the house was a four bedroom house, it had a den. I'd had a two-car garage, a big backyard, and uh, nice. just lots of great memories. But, wow, $300 for rent? Unbelievable. Yeah. In the year 2020 here in Southern California, people are paying two to $3,000 to rent a two-bedroom apartment. Homelessness in, in California alone has gotten, gone up, I'd say, 40% in comparison to what you could rent a, a, a dwelling for then. And you could get a gallon of milk. For a dollar thirty-five, amazing, amazing! And don't you wish we can go back to the eighties about know, the, now? You know, when you listen to those prices, you go, you know, screw the technology. Take me back to those prices. And you know, so there'd be some some tool out there always going, yeah, but we didn't make much either. You know what? All I can tell you is that the top song. In metal in 1983 was my favorite song for Dio. Nineteen eighty three brought us Dio with Holy Diver. Man, I love this song. Every time I hear this song, brother, it just gives me chills. I love, love, love Holy Diver. I went to go see uh, that uh, tour, Rodney James Dio Dio, and, and the Holy Diver tour with my good friend who is no longer with us anymore, Raimi Barraza. And we also uh, saw uh, Dio when he debuted himself with Black Sabbath after Ozzy Osbourne had uh, been fired from the band. So I was able to see the late, great Rodney James Dio twice in two different bands, and I was very blessed and fortunate, fortunate to meet Rodney James Dio uh, several years after in the 90s, the late 90s, uh, when uh, uh, I went to go see well, I was Tesla. about to say, didn't you meet and, uh, Dio? I, met, I mean, uh, you got to spend yeah. some time and chat away, man. I got to have a couple of drinks with him in the back. Uh, we had a good two-hour conversation. We were sitting in with uh, 
with uh, such uh, great musicians as the band I just mentioned, Tesla was their show. Uh, we met uh, uh, Carlos, uh, not Carlos, I mean Rudy Sarzo, the bass player, former bass player of Quiet Riot and uh, former bass player of Ozzy. Uh, Tommy Aldridge, who uh, was a drummer. Uh, we met uh, Vinnie Apasi, who was uh, sat in uh, behind the drums with Black Sabbath with Dio. Uh, and uh, we had a, uh, it was a, it was a very trippy conversation because uh, you know I, I I showed him nothing but respect. I told him what I felt about his music and what his uh, lyrics uh, meant to many of us back in the eighties. <laughs> we talked about the state of music and the state of metal within that time frame, and we also talked about parenthood. You know, he also had uh, kids. I had uh, younger kids at the time that I got to meet him. So it was a really uh, a very enlightening, influencing conversation that I'm very blessed and fortunate, like I said before, to have in my memory bank. Uh, you know, he's no longer with us. And I decided not to act like your typical fan and, and ask him, like, uh, for an autograph or, or seem to be... Yeah, but wouldn't it, have, wouldn't it have been great back then to have your cell phone and take a selfie with a great deal? It would have been, it would have been great. Oh, it would have been it would it would have been great because I mean, if I could get a picture of, of so many of the rock stars that I've encountered throughout my changerific life stretch, uh, I would be posting them up on our Facebook page, and I swear people would probably think I'm some famous rock and roller. But I was very fortunate to be in the thick of things during the '80s in the rock and roll era of the 80s and i'm talking about going to hollywood and going to the cat house and the troubadour yeah uh, you were in the scene i mean you were there when yeah. everything was starting and happening and when when rock was basically not only still changing things but also in a sense coming to an end yeah of how mean, it was you know and then uh, before it started evolving into what it eventually got to be. Anyway, that's a yeah, Another story. time, uh, me and my buddies, we met uh, David Lee Roth at the Troubadour. Now, we were going to the Troubadour because we were going to go watch uh, the band at the time, Rat, which, uh, you know, was an up-and-coming great band of Los Angeles. Yeah, era. I love Rat. Yeah, great band. And uh, we walked in, and we had a few, uh, I'd say about a half hour before we were going to be allowed into the back, you know, to uh, check out the band before the show started. And we went into the bar area, and there, lo and behold, was Diamond David Lee Roth sitting there with a leather jacket, a Levi jacket over it, your typical rock and roll genre type of guy, a scarf around him. Me and my three Now, was he alone, in. or was, I mean, he wasn't performing, right? He was just there? He was alone, and trip out on this, he rode his bicycle to the Troubadour. His bike had a big, puffy leopard seat on it. It had a sissy bar. Uh, it had a light on it. It looked like a motorcycle, but ah, it was a okay. bicycle. But it was a bicycle, yeah. You know, and then we walked in, and, you know, we were standing there waiting uh, to get seen by the uh, bartender, and uh, Diamond Dave called up to us, and he goes, Hey, fellas, can we grab a seat over here? So we proceeded to go sit over there with Diamond Dave. We had three chairs next to him, and uh, me and my three buddies had a conversation with Diamond Dave probably for about a good half hour until we were able to go in there and check out Rat. Now, once we all, Diamond Dave went in with us. We, you know, we all gave our tickets. Dave didn't have to give a ticket, of course. So we all walked in there. You know, he slapped us on the back, and then he took off, and then 
the next time we seen him, he was bolting out the door and uh, heading towards his bicycle. But Jeez. it was a, it was pretty cool to meet Diamond Dave. You know, oh, I mean? he's absolutely. A, he's a pretty cool dude. Pretty cool dude. Check this out. We talked about the songs, and now I want to talk to you about the top selling car. Mm. Top selling car. Do you have any idea what the top selling car was? Mm, I'd have to say. Man, I'm going to go on a limb and say the Ford Granada. <laughs> <laughs> no, the top-selling car of 1983, the beautiful Oldsmobile Cutlass Supreme. Now, believe it or not, although that was the top-selling car of 1983, I liked its rival better, the Buick Regal. To me, the Buick Regal just, ah, oh, it was just mm. such a beautiful car inside and out. And then they came up. I don't remember. I don't think it was 1983, but later on they came up with a sports version of the of the Buick Regal called the Grand National. Yeah, I remember. I always referred to the Buick Regal as the ultimate classy cholo car because yes, uh, it became you know, a favorite of all cholos. I mean, growing up where I grew up, there was so many Regals lowered with spinners, and baby tires, it was just insane. You know what I mean? And then everybody had uh, you know the name of their. Uh, uh, car club on the back you yeah, know what i mean yeah. the royals the imperials i mean i remember that every time i seen a buick i thought for sure i was either going to hear a song from war or tierra or <laughs> the, you want to <laughs> hear something uh, funny i had a, a buddy of mine whose older brother had a a royal blue and but he sent his car to get it painted repainted so it was a candy apple blue now Ooh, picture okay. this candy apple blue. He had classics and baby tires on it, and the car was just gorgeous, immaculate inside. And every time he'd come and pick us up at you know to go to school, and I'm talking this is in junior high, early junior high, uh, we'd we'd ride into school with uh, "I'm Your Puppet" full blast. So oh, just picture that. <laughs> Uh, you know what? Uh, one of these days we'll have to call my good friend in, man. Maybe he could be a guest on the show, uh, Cholo Vato. He's straight oh, yes. out of the 80s, you know, and yeah. I think he's on, yeah. he's on parole right now. So he might be available one time when we give him a call. Is he still yeah. in Utah? Yeah. Yeah, that's what I figured. The number one pop chart song and the number two, Billie Jean was number one from Michael Jackson. He was in our skit earlier. And the second greatest, the second number one Pop top chart was from the ultimate band that yes, shopped at yes. the Gap, Dexie's Midnight Runners. That's right, brother. Come on, Eileen. Let's go get some denim. Uh, you know, I call it the Miller's Outpost uh, music video because it was a Miller's Outpost music video. Everything was denim. Everything was denim. It was, and everybody thought having stone wash was the way to go. All you had to do was put too much bleach in the in the washing machine, and you're stone washed. Yeah, no, I. You know what? I tried that. My friends lied to me. Oh, dude, just put some bleach in your in your washer with your pants, and and I took out my pants, and there's like blotches and spots. It was just disgusting. My mom goes, you know, why don't we just buy them at Miller's Outpost? I remember hearing the term stone wash, and I would be like, man, I'm always stoned when I wash my clothes. What are you talking about? <laughs> oh, man, I threw my pants in the washer with my stash in it, man. I got to dry it out. <laughs> the best movie or the winner of the Oscar in 1983 was, believe it or not, it was a drama. I never watched it because I had read books and history books, but it was Gandhi. Gandhi was the... 
uh, Best Picture in 1983. However, there were two more films in 1983 that were a lot bigger for me. One of them, of course, is Star Wars Return of the Jedi. Oh, you're a big oh, Star I'm Wars Oh, I'm a buff. huge Star Wars buff. But not the kind that dresses up as Darth Vader and goes and sleeps at the theater two, di- two days before. I, I don't do that. I would hope no, I don't, not. I don't do that. I, say, I dress up as Darth Vader before I go to sleep, though. Now, do you ever dress up like Darth Vader and play games with your wife? No, but you know what? That sounds What's interesting. That? <laughs> but with hey, my yeah. luck, with my luck, the only costume I'd get is a uh, uh, dark helmet from Spaceballs. <laughs> <laughs> I can't breathe in this thing. Oh my gosh! Uh, the other film was Flashdance. Can you believe it? I remember the girl in Flashdance, but I don't remember the film. What was it about? It was about a dancer. Uh, and that's all I remember. It was, it was about a dancer. I just remember she was hot and even looked hotter with water splashing on her. After that, everything is like, I better smoke a cigarette. Uh, I'm kind of tired. I need a nap. And uh, that's all I remember about that movie. But I do remember, she's a maniac, maniac. She's got you. <laughs> Let me tell you something else that happened in 1983. All right, do it all. 1983, one of the most memorable moments for me as a kid was the day that we got cable TV and the release of the greatest video in the history of music videos. I have something I want to tell you. Yes, Michael. I'm not like other guys. So 1983, Michael Jackson's release... Oh, I mean, I'm different. the video thriller. I will never forget, Chang, how cool the video was back then and even how scary it was at, in certain scenes. You know, when Michael Jackson starts turning into that werewolf with the yellow eyes, that freaked me out, man. Yeah, and John Landis directed the, the video, which John Landis was, you know, a scary movie director. And uh, here comes Michael Jackson in a basically mini movie made into a video did you ever now did you were you one to like michael jackson and buy his albums i'm gonna guess not you know what you guessed totally incorrect i was a uh really michael jackson fan but uh you know i grew up with the the jackson five and the osmonds so i had that respect for michael jackson i thought uh he was a, a true gem a treasure uh not going into his personal life which is I cannot pass judgment because I didn't know the individual and I was not there. Yeah. So I can only say that away from any speculation in his personal lifestyle or events has nothing to do with the iconic uh, music that he gave us. Uh, he was light years above anybody in his musical genre or style. I, uh, I think he was a, uh, a prodigy. Uh, from yeah. a small child, you know. So I enjoyed his music, his collaboration with his collaboration with Eddie Van Halen was uh, monumental, you know, for both yeah. uh, pop for and rock, right? Yeah. So I remember I, for the song "Beat It." Yeah, I totally dug his music. I thought he was he was kind of a, a rocker that could dance. I'll put to put yeah. it mildly. Yeah. Well, for me, that was one of the greatest things ever about 1983. The release of the video. Thriller. Although the album released 1982, 
but the actual video was released in 1983. And so that was one of the biggest highlights. Uh, another thing that was released in 1983 in the video game world, Don Bluth's Dragon's Lair. Now, remember that game that looked like it was way ahead of its time? Dragon's Lair, a fantasy adventure where you become a valiant knight on a quest to rescue the fair princess from the clutches of an evil dragon. <laughs> You control the actions of a daring adventurer finding his way through the castle of a dark wizard who has enchanted it with treacherous monsters and obstacles. Oh, it looked like a small cartoon that you were entering. In the mysterious caverns below the castle, your odyssey continues against the awesome forces that oppose your efforts to reach the dragon's lair. Lead on, adventurer. Your quest awaits. Dragon's Lair, and it was also one of the hardest video games of all. I remember I loved the look of it because it's it was exciting. You're basically playing with a cartoon, and it was so cool. But, you know, you put in that quarter, and then as soon as that first obstacle came in your way, I would always get killed three times in a row. I could never rescue any princess. I don't know. I think I must have reached maybe one minute into the game, and I was dead. Yeah. A lot like sexual... Uh, uh... <laughs> 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 sexual activity back in the 80s when you were very young after a minute, oh, I thought you were going to say now <laughs> and I captured no princess now you know you know what as we're talking about entertainment in 1983 the compact disc was launched and revolutionized how we listen to music today 1983 the compact disc came out yeah i re- i remember one of the biggest things that we all took to compact discs for is the ability to skip without having to rewind and and things of that nature and and also yes. the no hiss because you got to remember you got to remember back then uh, cassette players they sucked you know the the real top of the line yes. players yes. they were just like today very very expensive and only the the rich uh, hi-fi you know yes. um, audio files had those things i didn't i had a boombox you know, for breakdancing that I would play cassettes on. And the first thing you'd hear is, you know, before the song came on. But when CDs came on the scene, I was just floored. I still didn't get one till like, I didn't get a CD player till like 1989. Well, the clarity alone was uh, phenomenal from the, the very first CD to the cassette. But remember, cassettes, depending on the money that you put out to buy a cassette, the quality of the cassette was totally different and could change the sound of music. If you bought uh, the metal cassette uh, as opposed to the regular uh, other type of uh, uh, material that was used, remember the the cheaper one would rip a lot and you would have to scotch tape them back together and list a, a magnet second of your great song that was yes. on that one. Yes. Do you remember those uh, clear, those transparent tapes that had the 80s colors, the oh, Memorex? Yeah. You yeah. can find them at the 99 cent store. Yeah. Those were the cheapest things around. I, I didn't know back then that there were like one, two, and three type of cassettes. Yeah. And the type one was the basic, the hissy one. Right. The type two is usually the better one. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Type 3, well, nobody even had a player to play that Type 3, which no. is that m- complete metal tape. Um, what I have now is I have the Type 2, and believe it or not, my Type 2 cassettes sound just like, uh, well, they sound better than my streaming music, believe it or not. So if I really want to hear music, I put on some cassettes or listen to some vinyls, which is even yeah. better than that. Yeah. 
Now, here's, some, here's something else that cracked in 1983. I'm sure everybody out there owns a vacuum or has owned a vacuum, correct? Yeah, yeah. Now, I hope they do. In 1983, James Dyson changed the whole entity of creating a vacuum. I didn't even know James Dyson. The guy with the yellow uh, vacuums that cost like about a million dollars? Yes, now, the very first uh, vacuum he created was called the G-Force. Now, I'm sure a lot of you people out there did not know or even think about vacuums becoming a state-of-the-art type mechanism in your daily household use. I'll show them a G-Force. That's right. Yeah. Who, who do, where do people get off asking $1,000 for a vacuum? Jeez. And there's more expensive than that. There's... Two three thousand dollar vacuum cleaners that I I just can't believe. Well, it's like it's almost like paying triple digits uh, for a hybrid car. Come on, yeah, you're yeah, supposed no. to be saving me some money, hybrid. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's like no. Back then, uh, vacuum cleaners. I think my mom had uh, those uh, Dirt Devil vacs or something like that. I mean, something that that you can get at any store. Oh, dude, yeah. we had that old-school kind of metallic-looking Hoover with all kinds of attachments that weighed like 100 pounds. So when yes. you had to bring that, that industrial the type, you can actually the, yeah. vacuum like yeah. you can vacuum the Smithsonian with that. Yeah. You know, if your carpet's not teched down good behind the baseboard, you can just It'll pull suck your up carpet. Everything. You had those, uh, <laughs> those iconic metal-type hard rubber red wheels on it, remember? Yeah, yeah. It, it had like and a it, had, dual- it was like a bumper car. Yeah, it looked like a bumper car with with one headlight, and then you take it apart. It's got two fan, but it's got two belts in there like a vehicle. Those yeah. things were insane, bro. Yeah, like a four barrel carburetor and everything. <laughs> <laughs> I just vacuumed the whole house in zero to fifteen in five seconds. But I can't do it too often because gas is a killer. <laughs> yeah. All right, so let's talk a little bit about the top actors, top teen or late teen, early adulthood actors of 1983. We had greats such as Tom Cruise, who did the movie, who did a literal for back then, even today, it's kind of like a porn movie that he did, and it's called Risky Business. You remember that movie? Yeah, yeah, that's when he was he, he was uh, in his chili chokers, and he came out with his glasses <laughs> and his pink shirt, and he was, you know, lip-singing to some Bob Seger in his chili chokers. <laughs> Girls went crazy, and I was like, who is this dude dancing <laughs> in chili chokers, man? Come on, man. What's up with those tidy whities? Uh, another one of the top actors of those days, a female, of course, a beautiful young lady named Demi Moore. Mm, delicious. Uh, she was very popular, especially uh, when she later on came out with a group of friends in St. Elmo's Fire. Yes. Uh, Rob Lowe also, Andrew McCarthy and Molly Ringwald were all starting to get their groove on in the movie industry back that's then. That's when they were called the Brat Pack. Not the Rat Pack, but the yes, Brat Pack. Yes, th- that's correct. Uh, that included uh, Emilio Estevez and... Um, Judd Hirsch. Anthony Michael Hall. Yeah, right. Judd Hirsch. That must have been a really uh, interesting group to hang out with because you you have all this young, raw town sexuality. Uh, you know, you're kind of getting yourselves cast into the bigger plateau of the industry and you're still young enough to go out there and have reckless damage and party hardy like a rock star uh, i would have loved to have been hanging out with those cats 
during that time, just to get some insight on what they were all about. You know what I'm saying? Uh, one of the heartthrobs, uh, according to Teen Magazine of 1983 back then, and he had just come out on the scene. Believe it or not, he was 25 years old <laughs> when Karate Kid came out in 1984. But in 1983, when he when they filmed this, he was 24 yeah. years old. The guy looked like he was 12. Ralph Macchio. He was so frail looking. Uh, Mr. Miyagi could have kicked his ass. <laughs> <laughs> this is back to the 80s. Toscano and Chang here. We'll be right back with Changries and a lot more. When the economy was good and the metal was heavy, man. Back to the 80s. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. This is the time in the show here on Back to the 80s. When we talk about those things that made us angry back in the 80s. And in honor of the most wondrous man, myth, and legend, the Chang. We now call them Changries. So Chang, what made you Changri? Back in the 80s. You know what made me changry back in the 80s? What's that? Ralph Macchio's girlish little boy looks. <laughs> you know what else got me changry back in the what 80s? Else? Stonewash. Ooh. Man, did I hate the Stonewash look. Ooh. Yeah. You know what I hated back in the Ooh. 80s? Shoulder yeah. pads on girls. Everybody was an NFL player back then. You know what else made me angry back in the What's 80s? That? All the Wana Madonna girl lookalikes that didn't put out. <laughs> that was that was later, though. That was later in the 80s. Uh, <laughs> it happened in the 80s. And that, ladies and gentlemen, has been this week's Changries. If you have something that made you angry back in the 80s or you'd like to share it with us, go ahead and send us a little direct message on our Facebook page. Or on our website, backtothe80sradio.com, and we'll be more than happy to talk about your Changri here on Back to the 80s. So we're talking about 1983, Chang, 1983. So guess what else happened in 1983? Canada and the United States launched Jim Henson's Fraggle Rock. It was basically a, a worldwide program advocating tolerance. Yes, I remember that. Fraggle. Now, is this a show that you watch? Because I never, I never once watched an episode of Fraggle Rock. I know that it had a humongous following. A lot of people love Fraggle Rock. Uh, you know, I was already a teenager, but I will tell you, I did watch Fraggle Rock every now and then when I was under the influence of hallucinogenics, and I thought it was fantastic. <laughs> you know, I, you, you got to throw in some uh, a curveball every now and then on this uh, baseball-type game of radio program that we perform here at Discount and Tank back to the 80s. The first, oh, you'll like this one. The first Hooters restaurant was opened in Clearwater, Florida, 1983. <laughs> They're going out of business. Ah. They're going out of business, by the way. Um, yeah. A plan to... Well, you got the COVID. <laughs> the, the, you can't have boobies and COVID. You, you can't. Um, <laughs> October 7th, 1983, a plan to abolish the Greater London Council was announced. And last but not least, October... Uh, 22nd in Bonn, West Germany, people demonstrated for nuclear disarmament. Mm -hmm. That and lots more stuff, too many to name, happened in 1983, my friend. 
Now, 83, man, I mean, there was so many memorable things happening. Now, here's a movie that was one of my favorites uh, back in 1983. I'm going to give you two. The, on the serious note, Scarface came out in 80, uh, 1983, starring Al Pacino as Tony Montana in 1980, as a matter of fact. And, uh, of course, who could forget the great Griswold family in everybody's favorite cross-country drive to Wally World? I mean... I think you're all fucked in the head. We're ten hours from the fucking fun park, and you want to bail out. Well, I'll tell you something. This is no longer a vacation. It's a quest. It's a quest for fun. I'm going to have fun, and you're going to have fun. We're all going to have so much fucking fun when we need plastic surgery to remove our goddamn spiles. You'll be whistling symphony doodah out of your assholes. <laughs> I gotta be crazy. I'm on a pilgrimage to see a moose. Praise Marty Moose. Holy shit. Dad, you want to ask for something? Don't and, touch. And, it's so, and it's so family loving oriented and just so off-the-chart ridiculous on some of the scenarios that happen to them. I mean, led by Chevy Chase, I mean, the great SNL uh, at one time who left the show because he got a big ego and he slam-bammed right into Hollywood and made everything he touched funny, including Fletch. And then they had the gorgeous Beverly D'Angelo, who was married to Al Pacino during the 80s. That's another fun fact I'm throwing out there. Oh, yes. really? She was married to, to uh, Al Pacino? Yeah. I had no idea. And Anthony Michael Hall from the Brat Pack was also the son in that movie, if, if you can remember. Anyway, that. this is Back to the 80s. It's been great talking and reminiscing about all those things of one of the greatest decades of all. And for, for me, my favorite decade of all. You know, before we let you go, I just want to thank everybody who listens Friday after Friday. Thanks because our numbers are, are just going up and it's uh, just overwhelming to to see and hear all your great comments that you guys are leaving for us. So we really, really do appreciate it. From everywhere in the world that you're listening, thank you for listening to Back to the 80s. We look forward to hearing from you soon on our Facebook page. From Toscano, I'm wishing you a great week, a happy week, and a safe week. We'll see you next Friday. Chang, here before I release you to another Chang-tastic weekend, I want you all to remember to Keep your spirits lifted and don't think that this virus at any time is, is, is fake or not as jeopardizing as it is. Let's all do our part to take care of each other. Uh, mask up. Keep your distance. We are one race, the human race. Don't ever forget that. And go out there and stand for somebody or something bigger than yourself. We'll catch you all again next Friday right here at Back to the 80s. So uh, until next Friday, I bid you all ad arrivederci, an adios, an hasta la vista. And to all my homies, orale! Oh,